0: Hi, and welcome to Eat My Words, a twice-monthly Arizona Highways podcast that celebrates Arizona's unique culinary culture. I'm your host, Kelly Vaughn. For this episode of Eat My Words, I'm pleased to introduce photographer David Sickle. David, welcome. Thank you for joining me.
1: Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
0: You bet. So first and foremost, you are a visual storyteller, but our listeners' probably don't know that you're also a trained cook. Um, You have a lot of experience in the culinary world. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about your draw to the kitchen.
1: Yeah. um, Well, about 15 years ago, I was teaching myself to cook mainly by reading magazines, cookbooks and watching the Food Network. And um, I thought, wow, anybody can really cook if you know how to read. You just read the recipe and you do it. But I didn't understand some of the things that I was doing. I was doing them because that's what it told me to do, like sear something or saute something. But I didn't understand the process and why you do those things to make dishes. So I decided to take a year off from what I usually do. And um, I went to culinary school. I went to the Arizona Culinary Institute. It takes about a year. It's six months in the building. And then I had to do an externship. I learned um, from one of my instructors about this chef Kevin Binkley who was really you know on the cutting edge of everything and um, as a photographer I had always worked with the best photographers when I was an assistant and things like that so I always kind of sought that out so I I went up and met Kevin and I was able to do my externship with him and then we've remained friends over the years and I did all of his photography, and um, over the years, I haven't done that in a while, but we're still friends, and, um, you know, he taught me everything I know about cooking, and, uh, you know, it was great. It's a great experience, and it's, it's brought me a lot of adventures in my life that I wasn't expecting, sailing the river, um, because I know how to cook. I, it makes me an asset to a crew.
0: Sure. So as you're out, you know, say you're on assignment as a photographer, um, how do you approach finding great places to eat? You know, when you're in a different city or even a different country, what are you looking for in a culinary experience when you're out on assignment?
1: Well, I I like to do, I mean, I want to find something that's native to the culture, almost like home cooking. Although I do seek out those Michelin star restaurants when I'm in Italy or something like that, and you know, a couple of years ago we did a tour of Italy, uh, Indigo and our kids, and we went to Carlo Cracco's restaurant in Milan. It was, you know, sublime. It was amazing, as it should be. But I'm always, you know, I I did a sailing adventure that took me to a number of countries like the Philippines and Japan, and we would go. We would be pulling up to these little islands that had little villages and we would um experience right there in the market what those places had to offer we went to a small island in japan one time on the sailboat me and my uh, friend who i was sailing with jen we would hitchhike all over the island and as we were hitchhiking we were getting picked up by different japanese people and we slowly uh, made friends with them just in the car rides and we invited them back to the sailboat and had a feast after we'd been in this one Harbor for a week. So we basically invited six or seven people that had picked us up hitchhiking. They all brought food to our sailboat. I cooked things. Uh, we were in a Marina. So we went right on the dock and bought the fish and things like that. So those kind of experiences are what I seek out.
0: What would you consider maybe the most exotic thing you've ever eaten when you've been traveling?
1: Sometimes I'm not that exploratory. I mean, I've eaten some things in the fish market in Indonesia, a place called Miri, which actually part of Malaysia, but it's on Indonesian's Island. And um, that market there, I ate some types of fish and and Fish organs that I wasn't familiar with. I didn't even know what I was eating, but I I tried some of those things. I'm just looking for good food. I and I think because I've in the last 15 years I've been associated and I know a lot of chefs and I've been to a lot of restaurants. I know the difference between good, bad, and just okay. I know when I go to a restaurant that no one's ever heard of and it's it's good, you know. And I know when I go to a restaurant. That's supposed to be good and it's just kind of okay, you know, because I've seen, I mean, I've been exposed to a lot. Even after I stopped working at Kevin's, I'd hang out in the kitchen for years with my camera. Things were changing almost on a weekly basis. He was doing so many avant garde type of things that everything was interesting, you know, and it was, um, and it was an, you know, just a, a learning experience that few people get. A lot of people that I went to culinary school with. They went and worked at a hotel resort, and they're they're good cooks, but they're making filet mignons and potatoes, and you know, at Kevin, you don't ever know what you were making. I was fortunate a year or two after I'd stopped working there, he invited me to go to New York with him to. Uh, he had been invited to cook at the James Beard Awards. He made a bacon soup, and I was like, "How are you going to make a bacon soup?" It was this creamy. We cooked off like pounds and pounds of bacon and took all the, the juices and essences of that and put it with mirepoix. And, and we made this like amazing cream soup. He let me help him execute it over a few days at the restaurant. And then we cryovacked it all and we shipped it to New York and we went there and we presented it.
0: Amazing. Amazing. And looking at your website, just your work in general, the portraiture. Faces of the people you photograph and the moments that you capture are so riveting because you can tell that there is such a story behind the eyes of these people. And you want to know what the story is when you're looking at your imagery. I wonder, as a photographer, what are the challenges in telling stories through photographing food? You know, something that is inanimate and that isn't inherently expressive right off the bat. What's your approach to photographing food, like as a still life?
1: Much like a portrait, it starts with light, you know, so I've got to create a light to put that particular food in. Typically, I'm looking for backlight, either from a window at the restaurant or something that I I bring in. When I'm taking a photograph and I'm composing it, I remember years ago, one of my mentors was a man named Ben Fernandez from Parsons School of Design. And he was giving us kind of a history of photography class. And he showed us Edward Weston's Pepper, which is a famous black and white photograph. And he said, you can taste it.
0: Yeah, you, you alluded a little earlier in the conversation about uh, working on the river. And you're a boatman. And right now, a lot of your work is focused on making portraits of other boatmen. Tell us, what is it like to plan and pack and execute meals on a river trip?
1: Well, first, I want to clarify that I'm an aspiring boatman. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't want anybody to be misled that I'm actually a river guide. I'm just fortunate enough that I go on a lot of river trips and I am learning to be a guide. But cooking is something, once I learned their processes down there of what we had, I mean, we do have stoves and we have Dutch ovens and we have grills. So once you know kind of what the heat source is that you're provided, then you can start to finesse whatever it is um, that they've provided. And all the different river companies have these set menus. Uh, The one that I'm affiliated with, Azra, you know, they have certain meals that are they're actually delicious and amazing and they've they've figured out how to package it and prep it so that the guides can execute it and execute it well and when I'm on a trip with someone what I bring to the party is I have a little bit more flair for presentation and I might have a suggestion on how we're going to cook the salmon you know some of the guys will will want to just you know sear it right on our griddle others will have other approaches as far as what we're going to spice it with or flavor it with. So it's always, you know, I'm always looking to set up our display down there because, you know, the guests are paying a lot of money to come to the Grand Canyon and, you know, it's the kind of money they pay to go to Tahiti or something like that. So where they can stay at a resort. And so we try and make it as um, avant-garde and as upscale as possible. And and we do actually an amazing job. I mean, the food that is served down there is phenomenal and every guest that I've ever heard is just like they can't believe what we're able to accomplish. But it's not like we're um making a real fire or anything. We have a you know we have a propane stove. So I have a six burner stove. The challenges down there are, you know, when we're cooking, a lot of times have to do with this the weather and the environment. It could be incredibly windy. And then we have like sand blowing all day in the kitchen or it'll be raining. We've got to try and put our pop-ups down low and try and still pull dinner off. So that's always kind of the fun part and the challenging part. And I like to show the other guides, all of them know how to cook. I haven't met a rubber guide that doesn't know how to cook and cook actually really well. Um, But I might show them some knife skills or show them how to cut something better um, faster. So I kind of, you know, I kind of float in the kitchen now. Just, you know, if they want my help, I help. We cook in teams down there. So if it's not my night, if it's not my team, um, but the other team that's cooking wants some guidance or some help, I'm always available. I have uh, a certain amount of knowledge that they don't, but then they're always teaching me new things too. You know, they've, they've been doing that particular routine for a while. So of course they've developed some of their own skills, which I take and put in my toolbox,
0: yeah. So I guess that was my next question. Can the way you cook on the river or on a river trip, can you translate that back into your own home kitchen on some level?
1: Yeah. Or yeah really yeah. only
0: work on the river.
1: No, 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 no. We cook. I mean, so and certainly I use a Dutch oven at home all the time. Part of that is for practice so that I'm, so that I don't mess up a cake when I'm down there on the river, you know, and I like it, you know, it's like, I think I find it's an interesting way to cook to to cook with charcoals in a Dutch oven. I make mac and cheese in there. I make soufflés, frittatas.
0: Fantastic. uh,
1: Yeah, and a lot of the Dutch oven cookery I learned from the river guides because I didn't know how to do that. I just knew how to turn on an oven to 400 and I knew how to use a skillet. And a lot of times when we're down there, they used to have this pork chop meal and they had, they bought great meat. It was, um, it, these were like giant, like one inch pork chops. They were amazing. You know, they always had high quality. They still do. They always have high quality stuff. And the guys were always cooking them on the grill. They were always coming out overcooked. And so they asked me. And so one time I was on a trip and I said, well, I'm going to sear them all. Cause we have this big skillet and that's what i was familiar with that's working in a commercial kitchen is what i'm used to doing more so than a grill so i knew how to do that and i did them all that way you know how to make like 30 pork chops like 10 at a time they were juicy you know cuz i could control the heat more and stuff like that right with a, with a stovetop and a griddle
0: yeah Now you and I are working a story about Ramona Farms, which is a family owned farm uh, in Sacaton and they grow heritage crops, tepary beans, corn, that sort of thing. That story comes out in the November issue of Arizona Highways. But David, how do you approach an assignment like that where it's a combination of portraiture. you're obviously going to make some beautiful portraits of Ramona and Terry Button. But then how do you balance the portraiture with the challenges of shooting these crops, you know on a small scale and then even on a bigger scale?
1: Yeah, so um, as you know, you and I went down there and um, actually every assignment I do for Arizona highways, I generally like to scout. I don't like to show up unprepared. And I also like to know what I'm getting myself into so that I can start to process that. And sometimes like I have an assignment, like to go to Sacaton, which is only like an hour away, but I've been down there a couple of times already, just kind of looking and kind of feeling it out and talking with Terry and, you know, we're waiting for the crops to come in so that it looks very uh, fertile. So we'll be able to do it in June. But, um, you know, I, I talked to him, I asked questions about, well, When you do that, what does it look like? He's gonna be roasting some corns on a big roaster. So that's a picture I know I wanna get. He kind of described it. I'm drawing a mental picture of what that might look like. It might look totally different when I actually see it, but in my mind, I have an idea before I even get there. As long as, I feel like as long as there's great light and I can shoot it at sunrise or sunset, the stuff that's in the fields is gonna be beautiful um, naturally. You know, I'll try and round out the story to get some details of whatever it is that we're growing, obviously an opening portrait and most of everything I've ever done for Arizona highways, it was a feature it's most important picture is to make this. And I, you know, usually there's six or eight pictures that are going to be in a story and I'm every one of those six or eight, I'm trying to make it the lead picture, but then, and I'll frame it that way, you know, I'll put somebody off to the right or left so that the the gutters t- considered and that there's space for Keith to put copy and, and stuff like that. So I design, I design those pictures, the ones that I think should be the opening. I really, you know, design it photographically and compositionally. And then, um, and then I'll just see what else presents itself when it's out there. I saw some still lifes out there that will probably, that I can probably do out there and I'm relatively handy at doing food still lifes. So That'll be part of it. There'll be some steel lifes. There'll be some workers and there'll be a portrait and that, that should uh, tell the story. It might be more than one portrait. I might, besides Terry, there might be a great portrait of a worker doing something. And, you know, I call them working portraits. Like my river portraits are working portraits. All those river guides are working and I'm taking a portrait of them. Right.
0: Um, you know, I know that New York, LA, Chicago, Countless European cities, those are considered foodie cities. But Arizona really seems to be kind of up and coming. As you know, we have tons of James Beardward nominees in the state right now. As someone who has traveled so extensively, but who lives here in Phoenix, what's your take in general, David, on Arizona's culinary scene?
1: Well, I think it's vibrant. Rochelle Daniel at Atria and Flagstaff. She is amazing. She was at Fat Ox for many years working under Matt Carter, but she was a chef in her own right when she was running Fat Ox. I really like TJ Culp at Restaurant Progress. He's always got something that's interesting. Kevin's always at the top of the heap. Kevin Binkley, he's, you know, anybody that goes to his restaurant, it'll be a, a memorable experience for a lifetime. Uh, Brandon Gauthier up at Confluence and Carefree. But I just think there are a lot of young chefs. All these people are in their mid-30s, but they've already been cooking for 15 or 20 years. They all started right out of culinary school when they were 19 or 20. A lot of them were trained by a very good chef and they have some good ideas. And they're all, almost all those people are trying to go farm to table. They're all getting Ramona's stuff.
0: On That Perfect Bite, David Zickel, thank you for joining me.
1: Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it.
0: For more information about David Zickel, visit davidzickel.com. For more information about Arizona Highways, visit arizonahighways.com. This and all episodes produced by Sarah Heater. Until next time. Eat my words.